Good evening. Welcome to Wednesday evening chapel. I want to, I want to remind us of our theme for, the cha for chapels for this year. It is, every tongue confess, Jesus Christ is Lord. Say that with me. Every tongue confess, Jesus Christ is Lord. One more time. Every tongue confess, Jesus Christ is Lord. Do you believe it? All right, looking for an amen. We have a special guest this evening, and I've asked President Sanders to introduce her to us. It is indeed an honor for me to introduce our speaker tonight. I know we have students still coming in from the classroom, and I wish all of them were here for the introduction, because uh, you're going to really enjoy our speaker this evening. Uh, Reverend Betty France is the pastor of the Mountain View Methodist Church, United Methodist Church in Woodland Park. Uh, she was born in uh, southern Louisiana uh, on a rice farm out of Lake Charles. She did her undergraduate work at the uh, University of Houston as a B.S. in Food Administration and Restaurant Management. And then she served as a hospital dietitian in Pasadena, Texas and here in Colorado Springs. I tell you all of that because, like many of you, she had a life before God spoke to her about ministry or before she yielded to the call. And so then, uh, about 15 or so years ago, she came to Isla Seminary, where she began her preparation for ministry. And uh, she is a wonderful model of ministry for you ladies and for men as well. As uh, Jan and I live in Woodland Park, and so we live across the street from the church. And then furthermore, uh, I have an old college classmate, Howard Oliver, who used to be uh, uh, head of the music department at Bethany and also at Trevecca. And Howard is a music director there, so often Howard will invite me over to some music event that's going on. And since we, he was in my wedding, I travel in college quartet with him, and so we share some good times together. But uh, we just uh, have enjoyed the ministry when we were, had a chance of uh, Pastor France, and I know you will tonight. Pastor France, as I mentioned this morning, our students, very much like you, second career adults who have heard the call of God, and they're here because God has spoken to them about ministry. And uh, they're wonderful students who are committed to the call of ministry, as you were, and you're going to enjoy them as they're going to enjoy you. Thanks for being with us. And now we'll sing, have a prayer, and Pastor France will preach to us. How wide, how long, how high, how deep is your love for us? Beyond any uh, of our abilities to grasp it, beyond any of our abilities to understand it, beyond our capacity to earn it. But you love us, and you've chosen us, and you've called us, and you've given us and shown us your love. We give you praise. We give you praise. And we ask that as a part of our praise to you, you will help us to have open ears and open hearts so that by the time we finish our time with you in this place, we will be more like you than we were when we came. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Good evening. Good evening. 
Our scripture text for this evening is taken from the Gospel of Matthew. I will be, uh, read from uh, chapter 14, <clears throat> beginning with verse 22. You'll recognize this passage as following the miracle of Jesus feeding the 5,000. Hear these words. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but by this time the boat, battered by the waves, was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning, <clears throat> he came walking toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It's a ghost! And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and started walking on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me! Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. This is the word of our Lord. Let us pray. Oh God, open up these familiar words to us in a new and vital way. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts together be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord God. Amen. It is exciting for me to be with you this evening. Thank you, President Sanders, uh, for that kind introduction and for your invitation uh, to be here tonight. You have uh, been very kind, and all of you, Alan, you've uh, helped so much to get things prepared. Um, and very encouraging after the service this morning. I felt many encouraging words from uh, many of the people that were here. It sort of reminds me of the man <clears throat> who opened the door one morning to get his newspaper. And he was surprised to see a, a strange little dog standing there with the newspaper in his mouth. Well, he was so delighted with this sort of unexpected delivery service that he, the man fed the little dog some trick, treats. Well, the next morning he went to get his paper and he was shocked. There was the same little dog sitting in his front door, wagging his tail, surrounded by eight newspapers. <laughs> you know, we all respond to uh, small amounts of encouragement, don't we? I believe it was William Arthur Ward who said, Flatter me and I may not believe you. Criticize me and I may not like you. 
ignore me and I may not forgive you, but encourage me and I will never forget you. When President Sanders asked me to come and preach in this chapel setting, my mind immediately went to my seminary days about 15 years ago, and I was filled with all kinds of mixed emotions and memories. Let me say to you, for those of you who are moving through this process, this educational process toward the goal that you are feeling God calling you to, you are on a fantastic journey and are in for a great ride. And to those of you who are entrusted with the awesome responsibility of, of instruction, may you always feel the privilege and the responsibility that you have by God, given to you by God, to shape and mold the lives of people through whom God's vision will be fulfilled in this world. This story in the Gospel of Matthew has been instrumental, I believe, in shaping my life and my ministry. The struggle to answer God's call into ministry for me was probably one of the most frightening things that I have ever done. I was um, in midlife, as President Sanders said, I was about 40 years old. My three children were well on their way into life, and I was finally at a place where I could, could begin to perceive God's call on my life, although I have found out just recently in the last couple of years that that call on my life was there at age 12. But as a Southern woman, <clears throat> I never once had a thought, nor do I believe that I ever wanted to be a minister or a pastor or an administrator or a leader or a comforter of a group of people in a church. After saying yes to seminary, I diligently completed my application, and I remember getting in my car and driving to the post office to drop it into the mailbox because the date was getting very close. And as I dropped the envelope into the mailbox, I clearly remember this vision that was set out before me. I saw this boat on stormy waters, and I was in the boat. And I had one leg in the boat and one leg out of the boat, getting to, ready to, to walk out onto the water. You see, God was calling me to a new adventure in my life, and it scared me to death. But my response that day, I remember, was, Lord, if it is you, I will get out of my boat everything that's familiar, and I'll step into the unknown. Lord, if it is you, I will answer this call. Lord, if it is you, I will, I will take this step, even though I have no idea what the next step will be. And Lord, 
If it is you, I'm going to trust that you're going to lead the way. And so began a wonderful adventure that continues to open doors of challenge and, and learning and grace and love and an opportunity for me to be with people like you. What sort of God is it that calls us out of the, the relative safety of our boats in order for us to risk the wind and the waves and the storms of life? We expect God to, to be the one who protects us. And of course, he does. But God is also the one who, who calls us into those places that are hard and even dangerous. God is the one who calls us into those places that are, that are difficult and challenging, that are sad and full of grief, and that are blessed and rewarding. See the scene uh, with me. The disciples, the disciples were in a small boat battered by a large storm. It was chaotic and frightening. Maybe you've been in that boat before. The storm of life is raging all around you, and there's more chaos and confusion than calm. And you're full of fear and uncertainty, and, and you discover that the only way to the shore is by getting out of the boat and going through the storm. You see, <clears throat> Jesus does not always move toward us to rescue us in the way that we would like. Jesus does not always call us over the tumult of life. Nor does he call us out of the chaos and the confusion. In today's gospel, it is affirmed that we, we often see Jesus calling us, as he commanded Peter, right into the raging storm that surrounds us. Jesus said, come, come. And Peter got out of the boat. There are two important things that happened. First, based on his past experiences with Jesus, Peter trusted Jesus enough to risk acting in faith, and he was saved. You see, risk combined with trust gives us true faith. Faith means we, we trust that God will give us what we need to obey God's call when we hear it on our lives. And secondly, Peter recognized Jesus as the Son of God. We prove the promises of God and allow our faith to grow by trusting God through risk and adventure. But, but I wonder how many of us spend our lives just splashing around in the sort of safe, shallow waters of life. We resist the, the difficult opportunities to, to trust God and to deepen our faith. I wonder if it's even possible for us to have a really close understanding and a close faith with God through Jesus Christ if, if we don't risk venturing out 
into the storms of life. Many people ask me, well, how do you know if you've been called out or if you've been saved by Jesus to be a disciple? My answer to them is often something like this. You will bear the marks of the craftsman. You will see the signs of God's handiwork in your life. And, and even more important than that, other people will see the signs and the gifts of God's handiwork in your life. Courage in the face of adversity, care and concern for the needs of others, strength under fire, quiet faith in the ultimate triumph of God's purposes. Of Thomas Jinks was a slave who lived in Charleston, South Carolina. Thomas Jinks made wonderful furniture. Some of the best quality furniture that was made in America before the Revolution. Well, on one of those now famous um, shows, you know, um, Antiques on the Road or whatever that's called, the curator was standing with the, the, the person who owned this piece of furniture, and he said, this piece of furniture was made by Thomas Jinks. Well, the man was shocked and asked the, the um, curator how he was so sure that it was made by Thomas Jinks. And he said, you can tell by the craftsmanship. Look at this drawer. See those dove joints? See how they fit perfectly together? You can get work like that only from the hand of Thomas Jinks. Too many times we do not carry in our own lives the, the marks of discipleship by, by the master craftsman because we're afraid. We're afraid we'll fail. We're afraid we'll look foolish. We're afraid we'll do something wrong. My friends, we will fail. We will look foolish. We will do something wrong. But if we don't risk stepping out of our boats, we'll never grow in our faith. And we will never be accused of having the marks of our Christ. And then, it's in the storms of life that we are able to discern the true nature of God. Just as the disciples needed to understand that, that Jesus was the Son of God, we too um, must understand Jesus as, as the very embodiment, the very presence of God in our lives. During the storms of life, and, and we all have them. Is there anybody here that's never had a storm? We all have them. It is in those times that, that God can come closest to us and, and God can be most powerful in our lives. When we're hurting and, and, and we're stretched beyond what we believe to be possible, we can choose at that moment to be most open to the touch of God in our lives. In this past year, there have been so many tragedies. 
and so much disaster in our world. I personally have had a lot of tragedy in my own family and in our church. And I have heard this comment in one way or another over and over from people who have been through these tumultuous situations in their lives. I have heard this statement, I have learned so much about my faith. My faith has grown. I know that God is working to expand my faith through this situation through which I've had to live. You see, God is a God who gives us faith that is equal to our need. And let me tell you, you do not get the faith you need to step into the tough situations of life before you are going into the tough situations of life in which you need the faith. Did you get that? Thanks. Does God push us into hardship and trial so that our faith can be expanded? I don't think so. But I do know that, that when we exercise our faith in God, there is a clear spiritual principle that God increases our faith according to our needs. The Apostle Paul, thinking about the storm in his life, wrote in 2 Corinthians 12, Whenever I am weak, then I am strong. Precious Lord, take my hand, is one of the most popular gospel songs of all times. It was written by uh, Thomas Dorsey back in the 1930s. Dorsey was a jazz musician who was experimenting with blending jazz and blues into church music. In August of, <clears throat> excuse me, of 1932, Dorsey was scheduled to be featured as a soloist at a church in St. Louis. His wife was about to have their first child. And Dorsey had this sort of nagging feeling that he probably ought to cancel his engagement, but, but he ultimately decided that he would keep his commitment in St. Louis. Well, during the performance that night, he received a Western Union telegraph that said, your wife has died. Dorsey quickly returned home to learn that his wife had died shortly after giving birth to their first baby boy. And a short time later, their little boy died also. After he buried his wife and his baby in the same casket, Dorsey fell apart. He closeted himself away, feeling that God had done him a great injustice. Thomas Dorsey was determined not to serve God anymore, and he was not going to write any more gospel music. But then one day, he sat down at the piano. His hands began to browse over the keys when something happened. He felt as though he could reach out and touch God. 
And he found himself playing a melody that, that he had never heard before. And, and then words began to come to him, and, and, and it all seemed to fall into place. Precious Lord, take my hand. Lead me on. Let me stand. And Dorsey went on to reaffirm his faith in God, asking God to, to take him by the hand and to hold him up and to give him strength and to lead him through the difficult storm of his life. And Dorsey discovered the true nature of God to be his power and his strength. So I believe that Jesus invites us, each one of us, into the difficult places in life not just to increase our faith, but that we will know that Jesus is indeed the very presence of God in our lives. Would you pray with me? Oh Lord, if it is you calling us into a place of risk and venture. We trust, O oh God, that you will never leave us alone and that you will show yourself as our God and we will know you because of the power and of the strength that you give us. God, help us to bear your marks. Amen. Loving God, you call us into places that we often don't want to go. But we thank you, God, that your promise is that you will always go with us and that we can trust that. We can put our lives on that, God. And we can know, God, that you are our power and our strength. As we leave this place this, morning, this evening, God, I pray that as you call us, that we hear your call. We answer that call, and we know, God, that it's the best ride we'll ever have. In your name we pray. Go in peace. Amen.